Welcome to Rationalist, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your co-host, Morgan Wack, and I'm here with the sensuous Eddie Manchus. Hey, that's me. Get used to this voice. Um, all right. So, we are talking about the September Democratic debate um, in depth, but this is also kind of a companion episode to the one we did back in May, I believe it was. Our first kind of talking about, I know, episode 22 at this point. So, yeah, we're going to update our top five list. We're going to talk about the debate and uh, just about the election more broadly. And then we can kind of bring in yeah, whatever else kind of uh, political commentary as it relates to that as we go along. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me, man. So let's just do, let's start out first impressions of the debate. What did you, what stuck out to you? Who looked good? Who kind of receded into the background? What do you think? Well, I already told you that Yang looked good, but right. uh, <laughs> um, I, I was on overall pretty underwhelmed. I don't know how you felt. I second that. I also, I love this stuff and I watch little interviews of candidates in my free time. And that's like how I can pass five minutes. I know. So I, I'm the target audience is what I'm trying to say. And I was like, man, is this three hours? This is dragging on. You know, I was pretty, I was getting antsy. Yeah. I watched a a replay on YouTube and I had to, eventually I started off at normal speed and then I was like, man, I'm not going to make it through this whole thing. I put it up to 1.25 and by the end, I, I was at like 1.75, and it sounded normal. I don't know if they're just talking incredibly slowly <laughs> or what was going on, but it was it was dragging. I watched, I think, an hour 30 or an hour 45, and it might have been two hours, 45, three hours. So mm-hmm. I didn't even make it through. Like, I missed the first kind of section. Um, <laughs> well, that's when Yang... Took his shirt off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's the irony of this debate is like, I didn't really miss anything. In in the recaps that I watched, there weren't very many things that I hadn't even seen, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah, it was kind of a very um, complacent note to start on. But I thought Cory Booker looked really good. This was the best your boy Booker has looked. Yeah. Since he announced his candidacy. He actually spoke as much as any other candidate besides Biden as well. Yeah. So the content of what he had to say was really good and on point. Um, and his energy was really good. But also, yeah, just getting mic time. I think that's such a huge part of these debates is that your performance, it's almost better to have a terrible performance and get a lot of screen time than to just get a yang amount of time. <laughs> yeah, you know? I totally agree. I don't know. The, in the aftermath, I was reading some commentary, and they were all saying Beto did really well, and I was like, I did not see that at all. Mostly Booker stood out to me. Um, but you know what it's hard to take about your boy Booker? What? He, he used, what phrase does he use? He used this twice, and both times I just almost had to just shut my computer. He uses the phrase dag nabbit, 
can't, I can't handle it. I can't. Yeah, that's... Sounds, I'm like, is he from the 1940s? <laughs> like, what, what is he going for? Like, I don't know. That's not, that's not even folksy. That's like, like it's some sort of anachronism that he's calling back. I don't know why he said that, too, because I don't think he's um, like a teetotaler. Is that what he it that? He, he was, like, I think he like said shit in some CNN interview or something. Is that is this a total overcorrection? Because he also used boy, did they, which I, I couldn't get over to in his closing remarks. That's like, man, funny. I know that that wasn't like you closing remarks were clearly scripted and you still left in boy, did they. Right. <laughs> like, I feel like his, his script writer is like a. 70-year-old librarian on a typewriter. <laughs> so do you think he's the the kind of folksiness that he's going for just comes across as really uh, uh, orchestrated? I just think, I don't know. It, I wouldn't say it's orchestrated. We can talk about, there is one part of these debates that I really don't like that a lot of the candidates use that comes off as orchestrated. I wouldn't say it comes off as orchestrated. It just comes off as really, like, out of touch, which is funny because I think it, he should be placing himself as the most in touch. He should be saying, like, oh, I'm actually one of the ones who's been working on the ground. I do a lot of stuff in communities. But then when he uses words like that, I'm like, nobody says that in real life. Like, where, what communities have you been in where somebody was like, oh, they stole my car. Dag, nabbit. Like, it just, I just don't get it. There's know. no subtle way to work in that you ran into a, bil- a burning building to save one of your constituents. But... Man, I'd be tempted to bring that up all the time. <laughs> I'd be like, uh, I got second degree burns from the time I ran into a burning building to save one of my constituents. <laughs> and boy, so, did he like And that. boy, did he <laughs> thank me afterward. Well, anyway, I also, I did think he did really well. It was just a, there was just something I'd like to point out to you. If you can call your boy up and say, maybe tone it back a little bit. Yeah. I thought the rest of the content that he brought up was, was spot on. No, fair enough. I think people say that about uh, Beto doing well just because he hasn't been doing well. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. He got screen time and he uh, looked like fairly polished and went into like a lot of criticism early on was that Beto wasn't going into the specifics at all or enough, you know? Mm. And so I think he's getting much more refined in his policy positions and that's probably more the reaction of what people are commenting on um and there's there's this kind of and i'm I'm not faulting beto or or, uh accusing him of anything but there's a perverse uh momentum that his campaign has acquired and benefited from from in, a, in response to the El Paso shooting. Yeah. You know? I mean, he's handled it well, which is, yeah. I think, what's even just keeping him at the table at this point because he doesn't yeah. seem like a real contender. Um, he does this thing, you were mentioning out of touch earlier. He does the classic Obama referencing specific people and like where they're yeah. from. Yeah, that's and a good point. He, when he does it, it just doesn't seem genuine. He's like mm. Marco from down the street, <laughs> who, by the way, is a minority. <laughs> yeah, like, but, but Booker can pull that off because he still lives uh, on that street in Newark. And so, um, I don't know, I, wrote, I read an op-ed of his where he was talking about... Um, 
basically a kid that he mentored who was gunned down and like the guilt that he has from that. Mm. And I guess the most cynical among us could say that that, you know, is a politician doing what politicians do, yada, yada. I don't know. I, I think when it comes out of Booker, those types of specific examples land, but I agree with Beto. Um, you kind of take it with a grain of salt, maybe. I don't know. I mean, all the candidates do it now because it worked for Obama, and everyone, as they referenced many times in this debate, loves Obama, wants to be compared to him in many different ways. Uh, but yeah, when it comes out of a couple of these, it just so is obviously Obama's strategy that it, and that sort of that type of remark requires you people to kind of sense that it's genuine, and the fact that you can so quickly connect the dots there, I think, takes away from that strategy. But I don't know. Maybe it's, it must be working, or they wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, um, man, Bernie had a cold or threw out his voice or something. I just sounded, he sounded old, man. He, he always, he always sounds pretty old. He just sounded like croaky. Yeah. Hmm. Who, who, uh, who do you think had the worst debate? Who's, who do you think is going home the most disappointed? Probably Kamala Harris. Okay. I don't think that she, you know, had any like huge gaffes or I don't think, I just, I think because she kind of dominated the first one mm. and challenged Biden and had like a few moments there. And then the second one, uh, people were still looking for her. She very much felt like she, the debate in some ways was revolving around her. This one, um, you could kind of forget that she was on the stage, I think. She needed, as well as your boy Pete Buttigieg, um, they both needed something to put them in the contender pool, I think. And neither one of them necessarily. You don't think Kamala anything. Harris is in the contender pool? I'm in the top tier. She's everyone. I mean, oh, she's get, not. You can get into. She's it. not polling in the right. I think this is about the time when you need to build the momentum. I think this. A lot of this debate is going to be, and not the debate, but I think the candidacy is going to be heavily determined by the first three or four primary votes, state primaries. Yeah. And I think to build that momentum. And to show that you are actually worth a vote over Warren or Biden, you need to build some momentum. And I think she she has some more opportunities to do so. Same with Pete, Mayor Pete. But uh, I think both of them would have wanted to come away from that a little bit more prominently featured. Yeah, with Pete it's tricky because I don't... I'm trying to figure out how he demands more time or it seems like his brand is uh, kind of a more of a non-confrontational uh, reconciliatory, similar to Booker, but um, a little bit more subtle, I guess. It's and great. I don't I don't know it's how you really poorly constructed for debates, which is not a bad thing. He's sticking to his guns, but yeah. the debate format does not. This doesn't suit him. Yeah, not at all. It's not. It doesn't play to his strengths. But yeah. he, at the same time, when uh, he does get the chance to speak, I feel like he capitalizes on those chances to speak. But he's not cutting people off. He's not um, kind of doing the things that you have to to get. Uh, I don't know to win a debate essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, who else kind of faded into the background? 
I thought that... Um, Do you want to talk about Klubuchar, your favorite? Or did I ruin your vote? <laughs> I know you're a Klubuchar voter. No. Didn't mean to I get it. the appeal of Klobuchar as just being... Klobuchar, sorry. She's one she's foil to Trump, one huge foil, mm. in the sense of she's a... And I mean this in a loving way. Boring, pragmatist politician who will make politics boring again. And maybe that's, you know, uh, what we need. (laughs) Like, we just need a competent governor and governor in the sense of just someone who governs competently. And (laughs) I think that's what she's interested in. Uh, She's that. And that's also why she's not going to win. She doesn't have Mm -hmm. the type of charisma that can uh, mount a successful presidential campaign, in my opinion. Um, But yeah, I mean, she was kind of a non-factor. I think that she sells a moderate platform, you know, fairly well. I think it's just hard to sell a moderate platform right now. She's. It's a weird. It's a bad moment having for for moderates. What? It's a bad moment in time to go with the moderate appeal. Yeah, I I understand. I completely understand the moderate appeal, and and I would very likely vote for a moderate candidate if it was the right candidate. But Don't try to pretend you're not a globe, globe, globe trotter. We all know. Globe trotter. Yeah. She's. Um, yeah, let's see. I think... Uh, oh, Julian Castro. Right. I forget that he's on the stage. <laughs> he's another one that I forget. Well, he, he he's did his an best to remind you that he's on the stage today by calling Biden out pretty confrontationally. Yeah, I mean, he's much more aggressive and much more, I think, savvy from a strategic standpoint when it comes to the debate. But then also when you take those jabs and you don't land them necessarily, you it doesn't make you look good either. I so there was a there was a couple there where he was kind of punching above his weight yeah, and maybe didn't get satisfactory answers from Biden, but at the same time, didn't look good, you know? No. So that I was, think he, he's helping, he's mainly helping the other candidates bring Biden down rather than he's kind of taking one for the team there. Um, yeah. I don't think that was his goal, but I think that ended up being <laughs> the consensus around it. His, his poll numbers or his, uh, after, debate, the consensus after the debate was the worst for him of any of the candidates, uh, according to 538, which is interesting. I thought just having him speak out would give him some sort of some sort of coverage, some sort of bump, but it didn't. It definitely led to him dropping even further. Yeah. Um, there was a commander, commander-in-chief question uh, oriented towards Yang. It was like, why are you the most qualified to be commander-in-chief of the United mm-hmm. States? And his answer was pretty weak. And I think that kind of speaks to Yang's candidacy, which I'm super intrigued by and, like, attracted to. But at the same token, why would I trust him to negotiate an exit out of Afghanistan more than any other person on that stage. You know, like yeah, I would trust yeah. any other person on that stage mm-hmm. way more than him to negotiate the next. So when it yeah. comes to those kind of 
like geopolitical questions that are that don't relate to trade i it's pretty hard to ignore how like huge of a flaw yang is yeah yeah has in that regard so we can talk about i want to shift away from the candidates for a second what did you think of the actual topics and you know the policies did any of those strike you oh, they talked yeah. a bit more about it was more about they, they mentioned at least foreign policy and education um, and healthcare again, which is, seems to be the focal point of these primaries, which we can talk about as well. But did anything stick out to you? Uh, one point on the moderators, I thought ABC and the moderators were highly competent. And I was so mm. pleased by that because MSNBC, their debate, their moderators were just abysmal. <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, moderate at all. <laughs> Well, not just that, but they're just they're just incompetent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, so that was like frustrating to watch. Um, but the ABC, like, they asked specific, difficult questions that were fair, that weren't uh, clickbaity. Um, I don't know. Don't, I, don't I, uh, I, forget Univision as well. Univision was in there. Right. Uh, yeah. No. He was great. Uh, I forget the Univision's guy's name. Well, yeah, I don't know any of the name of the moderators other than George. Dude, stamped to date, man. <laughs> George Steph. Um, but yeah, I just I thought the moderators did well. But I your agree. question is yeah. more about um, topics. I think the, the the moderator's job is more to be like a good referee. Like you don't really want another there, and you just kind of want them to keep things going forward. Yeah, totally. And they did um, with that. Yeah, I think with the topics, a lot of healthcare, a lot of gun control. Um, I didn't. I didn't get much on the education. Was there a big segment on that? I must have missed it. Yeah, there was a section, which is good because it was not really discussed. And I think it's an area where the Democrats need to capitalize because everyone's affected by that. And I think that they can basically show that. I think I can't remember who somebody did say. I think it was Mayor Pete. It, was, it might have been Mayor Pete. It might have been Julian Castro, who said, "Well, the first thing I'll do is I'll appoint somebody to Secretary of Education who actually has a, who wants there to be good education," uh, which is yeah. a good point. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a, a missed at- attempt for Kamala Harris because she has kind of chosen education as the focal point of her campaign rather than healthcare unlike a lot of the other frontrunners. Right. And she didn't, I didn't come away from that thinking, oh, Kamala Harris has a plan there. And everyone else just kind of says, yeah, good education. Instead, I came away from it thinking, well, they all just kind of had the same idea. Nobody's coming up with anything innovative at all. And that's actually the thing that bugged me the most. Where you're talking about how they are, supposedly these are radical candidates far from center. And I think that's true when it comes to demeanor and overall views. But when it comes to actual policy proposals, they're like, except for Yang, who, let's be honest, threw some crazy stuff out there, which is great. But it doesn't <laughs> seem like anything other than just standard improvements is even being talked about. There is, yeah. a, for people who are supposedly radicals or, you know, all about change and messing with the system, they very much are, seem to be up for keeping the system relatively the same with minor tweaks and policy here and there, which is pretty Yeah, I guess the one exception being Medicare for all. 
Yeah, I mean, healthcare is the one. I mean, that's even a, that is something that has already been created that's being improved upon or renewed or being altered rather than a totally new idea like UBI or anything that's, that anyone else has come up with that isn't necessarily part of American lexicon already. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I did wish they, on that point, when they talk about immigration, no one, it seems like the, the level of depth that they go to is we should have a secure border, but we should, you know, have a past citizenship for the 11 million undocumented. We should uh, make DACA um, permanent. We should have these dreamers become citizens. And that's the kind of rhetorical end of the depth of that conversation, which I think immigration would be a great way for there to be more innovation in terms of how do you manage and negotiate having a secure border while also um, providing past citizenship for those who have overstayed their visas or for those who are undocumented or um, increasing the type of immigration that's going to benefit the American economy and like take control of that conversation. Um, it just kind of devolves into, man, isn't horrible that Trump puts kids in cages? Yeah. And I think that that's not terribly helpful. It's a little masturbatory, for lack of a better adjective. There are no better adjectives, so you're fine. It's the yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just disheartening because you... Disheartening. Because you would hope that this would be the chance for the left to come back with policies that could actually alter the system, especially in the economic realm. And the best we can come up with is new taxes. It just, I'm sure that'll be great, but it's, is that the best we could do really? It just seems a little uh, anticlimactic. Well, yeah. And good luck selling. Hey, the major new innovation is like new taxes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't like that as a messaging platform. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's an interesting, I mean, this is why Democrats have, this is points to the failure of Democrats to own the narrative because conservatives so much like put, and this is something that Beto talked about, like put Democrats on their back foot where they're constantly telling, having to defend themselves and say they're not socialists rather Mm -hmm. than going on the offensive and saying that conservatives don't come up with any new ideas, which is absolutely true (laughs) in terms of the, at least the Republican party. Um, And so, and how we've allowed the Republican party to completely ignore the healthcare conversation somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. And yet here we are, you know? Um, yeah, so, just on I that guess, point, yeah. Go ahead, let me finish Yeah, you, you go. Yeah, I just wanted to say that there was one point in the, the debate that summed it up for me. The Bernie Sanders, who's the only one, to be fair, who brings up comparative policies. He speaks about other countries and says, look how this is improving you know, healthcare in this area, how are these Scandinavian countries, how Canada is dealing with this. And he brought up something about Scandinavia and Biden, instead of actually attacking the point, just turned to him and said, this is America, as if that was supposed to 
discount anything that's been done anywhere else in the world. And it was just such a thing that Republicans would say. Yeah. And this is kind of goes back to this idea of Bill Clinton essentially being a closet conservative. Yeah. And Joe Biden, maybe you can make that case that Joe Biden's kind of a closet conservative. <laughs> yeah. Um, Biden's not going to be the one to like, Biden's a status quo guy. Biden's a take us back to the Obama years guy. And that's why like, bringing back Obama is not a message for, is not a vision for taking the country forward. And I think this is um, something that Buttigieg articulates really well in terms of what makes his campaign different than, um, you know, certainly the Biden camp, but different than, I guess, the more of the moderates is that he has a vision and thinks about what America is going to look like in 2050 and beyond. And uh, I don't think, I think that's the furthest thing from Biden's mind, you know? Yeah. Um, Biden looked fine, you know? He didn't look terrible. He didn't blow me away. That was just that one quote. Honestly, I thought he was doing better. I was like, okay, he's doing, he's holding his own here a little bit. And then he said that and I was like, ah, man, making it so hard. He just, he's always having to equivocate his past. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I just think that he has he has so much that leave him open to attack. So he's constantly just playing defense yeah, yeah. at the same time as not really having a vision that's different from Obama's and that mm-hmm. looks forward. Yeah. And I think that's I don't think that's a good recipe for beating Trump. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think Buttigieg makes an excellent point where he talks about all of the successful Democratic candidates um, of the past 50 years have been the change candidates yeah. and Biden is not the change candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's something to be said for that. Uh, Julian Castro, I agree in that he didn't have a good debate, but he made one really good point about, um, the immigration in terms of the Northern triangle countries, the uh, Honduras, Guatemala, Nicaragua, um, how we should have a 21st century Marshall plan for those countries. And I thought that that in specified in those terms was an effective um, talking point, you know? I actually think that the content of his message during the debate was great. I think he put out a lot of really interesting content. It was just his demeanor that I think saw the voters turn against him a little bit. Um, it kind of feels phony. Providing, it, yeah, I don't like, know. If, I mean, if, he just if, seems like a politician. No, I, I, I'm talking about the attacks. Oh yeah, Same exactly. Phony. That's what I'm saying. I yeah. think his content's good, but if if those attacks come from Warren, they land because her attacks are honest. Say what you want about Elizabeth Warren, you know, but when she attacks, it's for real. <laughs> yeah. So, but with Castro, it doesn't come across in that way that it, it would with Warren, if you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Elizabeth did you, Warren did her yeah. thing. She was good. I'll talk uh, about her in a, in a little bit. What do you want to? Okay. Do we want to get into our? Uh... Yeah, our top five. Revised. So wait, explain for the viewers and for me, um, is it the top five, like what is the top five's criteria? Can you give me a... Let's summary? talk about, so the last time we didn't really talk, the top five, the criteria wasn't necessarily electability, it was just who mm-hmm. did we, who did we, who did we like It was like, why. who would we vote for if we were dictators and we could choose? Yeah. In order, okay. Yeah, I think that's a good way of summing it up. Um, this time, I think we should make the top five based on 
electability. When you say electability, you don't want us to me to pick the ones I think. Or do you want me to pick the top five of who I think will be elected, or the top five of who I think would has a chance, but also I want? Uh, yeah, let's do the hybrid option. The okay. who has a chance, and you also that you want. Okay. Okay. Mm, okay. Let me think about. It. All right. You want to go first? Then I'll rework my. Um. Right. So, I think uh, number five. Number five. Probably. That's, great. That's our high quality special effects we've got here at the National Edition. Yeah. Probably Elizabeth Warren. Okay. Um, we want to do our Warren spiel right now? Sure. I have her as number three. Hit me. What's the Warren spiel? She's growing on me. I think uh, the exact opposite of what I was talking about earlier. She's, she's the, of the electable candidates. Sorry, Andrew Yang. She's the one that is the most policy-oriented, which I think Iowa voters pride themselves on, so I think she'll do well in Iowa. She is very competent in a debate. She seems like she can hold her own on stage. I think she has done enough to show that she isn't reincarnate of Hillary Clinton. I think that She's, she, the longer she stays relevant, the more she'll be able to distance herself from the Hillary campaign. Um, yeah. But I do, the content of what she brings to the table, I do really enjoy. And I think that if she wasn't there, the content and the terms of actual policy would be even less resounding. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. The reason she's so low on my list for me, it really comes down to Medicare for all. I don't agree with that policy. I agree with, I agree with Pete Buttigieg's Medicare for all who wants it. Okay. I don't. I think that that having Medicare for all as a means of we're gonna abolish private insurance, as that's what, that's how Bernie and Elizabeth Warren characterize it. I yeah. think that that's a terrible branding thing. I think it's a. I think it's bad policy. I think it's hard to sell. Um, I don't know. It won't play well in a general election. It won't play well in general election. It'll look phony when they have to pivot away from that. Um, I just think, and healthcare is such a big thing. It's not a minor point. So I know that wasn't a mistake in their campaign's eyes to do that. Like, I don't, I'm not saying, like, they clearly don't regret it, you know? Yeah, yeah. But... I think that's, man, that's a lot of ammunition for the other side in a way that is genuine ammunition. Isn't just like, <laughs> can, uh, yeah. just Ben Shapiro talking points. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, I mean, yeah. But, but I mean, I agree with the stuff about if people, I think, honestly l- listen to her and, go in with an open mind and not thinking she's like a wacko socialist person and listen to, I don't know, I guess the way that she articulates herself in her heart. I, it's kind of hard not to be won over by her. I don't know. That's been my experience. I'm not a huge Elizabeth Warren fan, but the more I've listened to her, the more I feel like she's genuinely trying to make a better America for working class people. And I think that 
a better America for working class people is probably just a better country for everybody, you know? Unfortunately, if, uh, if her hopes are lying in the fact that America will come into the election with an open mind, she might be doomed from the start. Yeah. <laughs> it's not something we Jeez. have in abundance. Good point. <laughs> Good point. Um, who is your number five? My number five was your boy, Cory Book. Cory Book? So low. Yeah. Dag Nabbit. Dag Nabbit, Cory Book. Probably, when he listens to this, he will for sure say Dag Nabbit. Um, <laughs> I do like Cory Book. I thought he had a great debate. If it was based solely on this debate, he would be much higher. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope this revitalizes his campaign a little bit. I think he lost quite a bit of momentum. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know. You, you know more or you uh, support more of the book than I do, so I'll let you take this one. Yeah, uh, Booker's my number two. Wow, okay. So... Uh... Yeah, I'm high on Booker. I'm high on Booker stock. Buy low, uh, man. Buy low. I just think that... I don't know. He's got a lot of experience. He's very intelligent. He cares deeply about inner-city communities. Uh, he's got a pretty incredible American story where he talks about you know, his parents being zoned out you know racially zoned out of um the new york neighborhood that they were um trying to get a spot in and then a white family kind of uh posed as them and they're able to get a house and you know on from there like Mm -hmm. uh he he passed bipartisan criminal justice reform during an administration where anything bipartisan seems uh, impossible. Um, I think he's just an inspiring fella. I don't know. And he's got the credentials and he's experienced and he's, um, qualified and yeah, I just, I think he's the most presidential, uh, candidate that we have, you know? Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. I didn't forgot you were so racist. It's true. That's that was my main complaint, but I didn't want to bring it up on the pod. So. <laughs> right. Uh, shoot, number four. Uh, you should should we get yours? Who's your number four? My number. Okay. See, I so I actually had him ranked in tiers, so I'm still I'm on the fence about the actual ordering of these. I think I'm trying to decide here. I'm gonna go with Bernie Sanders number four. Hey, that was going to be my number four, too. Hey, well, there we go. Then I picked the right one. I, I mean, what can you say? Everyone pretty much knows Bernie. I think Warren has stolen a lot of his thunder. Yeah. And I think she's probably a bit more electable, although he does really well in the states that the Democrats lost, you know, the Obama-Trump states. Sure. But I just think that he's, his campaign's running out of a bit of gas. Yeah. Um... And I think Warren is probably, at this point, the more likely ticket over Bernie for the ultra-left wing vote. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Bernie's still a great candidate. It's still tough to know if he would end up being able to compromise and bring the two sides together on anything. But you could say that about any candidate in the current climate, so you can't use that too much as a, as a downfall. But yeah, I don't know. What do you think? I just love the idea of a president going after... Uh, the big banks and encouraging unions, you know? 
Yeah. I think that that's a, I think that's a powerful, um, message and he's been saying it for so long that he couldn't, he couldn't not stake his entire presidency on that. And I think it's time that we had somebody stake their entire presidency on making working class lives better. Similar to what I said about Elizabeth Warren, but I don't, it does seem like, I don't know how the, I mean, I understand that healthcare is important and that it's this big policy thing that has to be solved. I don't know why all the Democrats aren't putting economic concerns and the rising inequality in America. I only heard inequality mentioned once in the whole debate. That's unfathomable. The entire Democratic caucus should just be named inequality 2020. I don't understand why that isn't the main talking point brought to the table. So I, I totally agree. And I hope that he keeps bringing that up because it's something that needs to be discussed and Deal, yeah, I don't think we should talk about climate change that much in terms of campaigns. And well, maybe I mean, I'm just... If somebody has some radical solution other than just funding alternative sources of energy, then I'll listen. But if they're just going to keep saying that over and over, that's fine. I think everyone agrees with that on the left. So Yeah, I'm kind of working this thought out as I'm saying it. But I think the they should really de-emphasize that when it comes to the general election. Because it's it's kind of a no-win topic. People who agree with you are already um, going to vote for you. And it's hard to sell this like vague, somewhat... I know it's not an existential threat because it's very real and the scientific community is in consensus and that is a dire kind of situation. But it doesn't... It's such a tough sell and so hard to articulate in a campaign message form um and it and it, it leaves you so susceptible to the attack of that you're taking away jobs and that you're um doing things that hurt american interests by um taking climate change seriously in this way so you know congressionally yeah by all means like if the, the democratic party should continue to pursue climate measures at the congressional level but when it comes to the presidential campaign like Cool your jets. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with you on this one. I think okay. it is the sign of a good politician or someone who can recognize that a problem might not be the most electable, but is willing to emphasize it because it's important. And I think that maybe that's not the place of the moderators or the people coming up with the questions, but I do think that candidates who have the chutzpah and the charisma to win an election in the first place need to stand by things that they believe in. And I think that that is especially true on the left when climate change is seen as rightfully a you know, catastrophic um, event that is you know, continually happening all around us that we're basically faced with and ignoring at the moment. Um, so I, I don't mind the focus on it. I don't think they really talked about it that much in this debate, if at all. But uh, yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind the focus on that. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Um, so Bernie was both our number four. Okay. Um, yeah. Number three, go Kamala Harris. Okay. I had her at number two. Yeah. Uh, I don't, by any means, love her, and I don't loathe her either. I yeah, think she uh, had a pretty underwhelming debate. I think 
she's kind of hard to put my finger on because she'll say the dumbest stuff during debates and it's not because by the dumbest stuff i mean her quips i'm not talking about her policies yeah. or like her intellect or anything mm. she just sure sure was, dude sure dude that's racist and sexist so. yeah <laughs> i'm banned for life no dude when she was saying she was like george you know that in wizard of oz that guy behind the curtain that's just trump and george is like <laughs> okay <laughs> uh there's a every debate there's like two of those moments that she has and i'm just like uh dude in the last debate it was the it was the food fighting comment Anyways, yeah. this I'm getting off track. I don't mean to. Dude, you hated Wizard of Oz. You yeah. don't need to bring that in. Save that for the movie pod, right? I know. <laughs> so, uh, what I like about Como Harris, I like that she has another kind of just distinctly American story in terms of being a second generation immigrant and her having like a very strong mother who just instilled in her um, such a hard like work ethic. Mm -hmm. um, She's been a trailblazer in terms of um, just, I guess, black black women in politics. Uh, mm -hmm. She's the first uh, attorney general. Um, I think the first female. Well, no, I don't want to. I don't want to um, claim that. But anyways, the first black woman attorney general of California, um, which is a big deal when you think about yeah, how is. Yeah. huge of a. Um, state and population and everything that she was responsible for. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. I think she seems like a, like a competent. Can I just uh, really quickly general. shout out two policies that just got passed in California as well. Sure. The, and the NCAA, the anti-NCAA bill. Did you hear about this? Uh, no. The California basically passed a, uh, Oh, I did hear that, about this. They can get yeah, money from endorsements. Exactly. It's a, like any use of, of athlete likeness. So in video games, anything like that. Um, we'll see. Like That's obviously going to go further up in the courts and the NCAA is going to fight back. But that's huge for student athletes. And they also passed a bill in the lower houses against uh, private prisons as well, which Sweet. is something ridiculous. But anyway, yeah. yeah. No, I agree with your points on Kendall Harris. She got why, why, why doesn't everyone agree about the... About the student athlete endorsement college thing, why does everyone not agree about that? Can you hear this? No, that's yes. just me yeah. making it rain into a bathtub. Oh yes, I hear that with yeah. uh, <laughs> the NCAA money. So uh, that's that's pretty much the only reason I think I don't think I don't think anyone who's actually been asked. I haven't seen the polls, but I don't think anyone's really against student athletes getting money <laughs> unless you work for the NCAA. I don't know why you would be, um, but yeah. Well, especially if it's not the school paying them, you know. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't make a doesn't make a ton of sense. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I don't know. You can hear in my voice when I talk about Kamala Harris. I'm kind of just listing these general things Quite that I know easy. about her. It's more of just this idea of. I did. I really underestimated how huge of a deal it was, you know. When I was young at the time, and I was learning a lot, still learning a lot, I didn't understand at the time how huge of a deal it was for Black people 
that just seeing someone that looked like them in the highest office of the land, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say we should just elect somebody because of their race or their gender. Like, that's a really reductive and stupid, like, counter-argument to what I'm saying. It's more of, here's a competent, intelligent leader who has some progressive and some moderate positions that I could see appealing to a wide swath of Americans. She also is a woman, and she also is black, and I think that there's something to be said um, for... Representation? Like, representation without diluting the competence of the leader, you know? Yeah, Like, it can be both, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially because I don't... I don't know. She, I feel like she uniquely kind of straddles that. Booker, maybe too, having having some some moderate leanings as well as his progressive. You know, like Booker was a Hillary Clinton person. He wasn't a Bernie person. Yeah. So anyways. And boy, did they not like that. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Who is your three? Um, oh, one? we said it already, huh? Yeah, yeah. So it's just our ones left, right? Uh, yeah, because who was my two that you said? Oh, Booker. Yeah, yeah. So I know who yours is, though, already. Yeah, 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 you do. Klobuchar. Oh, no, I'm not on the Klob. I'm not a Klob trotter. You're a Klob trotter, dude. Don't lie. Um, you know, someone should someone should steal that from you, that Klob trotter for her campaign. Dude, that's what I'm here for. You know, any of these, any of these candidates that I've mentioned, if they want to give us a call. That's and, a good... Uh, so it came out. I remember when Kasich was running four years ago, and it came out that he was a big Bieber fan, and that made news, uh-huh. and people were like, huh. <laughs> Kasich's a big Bieber fan and it kind of like if you have a boring uh, moderate you know competent yeah, yeah. leader mm-hmm. do you think it looks just like phony and it would crash and burn to play up that kind of stuff or is it like what do we have to lose Let I think they're already Klobuchar you're phony. super into yeah. Crosby Stills Nash and Young let's yeah. just triple down on that or whatever i don't know <laughs> i think it, it makes them interesting more than like at least they are committing to the bit you know right i, I think agree. that's I think. I think that's why people didn't part of the reason i mean there were a thousand reasons that hillary clinton's campaign failed but part of it was that people didn't think she was a human being yeah in in the idea of people who knew her really well saw i talked about this with matt like saw the like kind hearted person that mm-hmm. was there. Yeah, nobody who actually worked on her campaign disliked her. Everyone loved her. Right. And yet nobody, none of America ever saw yeah. that side of her. Yeah, exactly. So that's a problem. But um, but yeah, my number one's Buttigieg. Uh, who's your number one? He was mine as well. Oh, it's just it Buttigieg party. I'm on the, like, I, I have like a whole tier where I could be swayed either way. None of them, nobody really stuck out in the debate where I was like... But Booker made the list because of his debate, so I put him on there. Buttigieg, I think he he comes across as the most. If I had to redo it based solely on electability, I wouldn't put him first. But if we're combining electability and yeah. what I like to see on stage, Mayor Pete, Mayor Pete's got the he's got the pole position for now. We'll see. We'll see how he does in the in the coming days. I'm. I feel like his dad sometimes. I'm just so proud of him. <laughs> I'm so proud that. There's somebody that believes enough in 
American values in redefining uh, the redefining what those values are for the for 2019 without forsaking the founding fathers and like the principles that we were established on, you know, without forsaking the Judeo Christian principles without like talking about his faith in a way that influences his politics without being a theocrat, you know, like I just think that he's, uh, like a lot of, they call it in the gospels. They call a lot of things that Jesus said, like third way thinking, the idea where people would come to Jesus and be like, this way, this way. And then he'd be like, well, here's the third option. Well, have you considered this? Yeah. Um, so I just think that Buddhist is kind of doing a third way thinking in terms of, uh, people will give him binary options a lot. Um, and he'll say like, I don't, this doesn't work anymore. This, this paradigm has shifted. And I'm so glad that there's a voice in there that, is able to speak to that and not just be kind of shoehorned in the same talking points. Cause he constantly says like, we could have had the same conversation 25 years ago. Like let's update yeah. the way we talk about these things, you know? Yeah. I mean, he seems, I know his policies might not be the most moderate, but he seems the most moderate in terms of demeanor of the candidates. He comes across as just a genuinely caring individual who is part politician, but mostly, person yeah i think he's just such a that's tough for somebody who's got so many background characteristics that they don't really seem like a real person like if you totally like, hey so there's a Rhodes guy, scholar he's, he's a gay Rhodes scholar veteran and son of an immigrant <laughs> he was the mayor of down in indiana <laughs> he's i would be like what are you talking about that person probably doesn't exist at all much less is running for president um afghanistan war vet yeah um, but yeah, I mean, he, somehow that all combines to something very genuine and he has a, he has the rationalist endorsement. So that I'm sure that'll bump him a couple of poll numbers up. So like yeah. to, to give him a shout out. <laughs> I've just, his message is edifying and it's not alienating, you know? Yeah. Um, it's nuanced without being, uh, you know, diffuse of, uh, inspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said devoid of inspiration. Um, it's, I don't know. Like he, he really has been able to reframe the conversation in a way that I've waited for somebody for so long to yeah. do. Yeah. Um, in a, in a way that doesn't like, I think one criticism of Booker could be that, um, I think, well, something I mentioned before, but he kind of, I feel like there's an Obama playbook that people kind of follow now. Mm-hmm. And Booker, when he does speeches, can kind of fall into some of that, those like oratory patterns. Yeah. Um, and I just think that it can be a rousing speech while not necessarily having the timbre of that uh, I don't know. I guess just when it comes from Booker, it doesn't doesn't sound like it's coming from his soul. Yeah. And I think when in Buddha is able to just so like deftly 
handle each of these situations in a way that feels so authentic. Well, there you go. I would say we should get into a conversation about Biden, but I think we should save it and do, we'll do a third one after Iowa when the results come in and we can talk about the, who exactly is the front runners. Yeah, maybe. I think the other reason we didn't bring up Biden is he just feels like for being a front runner, he feels like such a non-factor to me. Like, I don't think he's going to win the candidacy. And maybe that's a good way to end this conversation is if you had to say right now, September 2019, who is going to be the Democratic nominee, who would you say? Harris. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. You didn't see that coming, did you? I was going to say Klobuchar, but that's too obvious. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> I would say Elizabeth Warren. Okay. I was going to say Warren. I was on the fence and, between Harris and that And doesn't, it doesn't bring me joy to say that. And that does, is, that's nothing against Warren. I just said how much I liked her, yada, yada. I just am terrified by her being the candidate because of um, the Medicare for All thing and because of the Hillary Clinton ties, which I agree in that I think she's been able to distance herself and very much differentiate herself from Hillary Clinton and and everything. But, man, like, she fights fire with fire, and I think it's just best not to fight fire. I think it's best to do the Buttigieg thing and be like, ah, I'm okay over here. I'm not even. Yeah. I'm not even sharing your conceptual framework. I'm so above it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Whereas yeah. Elizabeth Warren will get down there and like start throwing punches, and I don't think yeah, it's helpful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but I think I she's going to be our nominee. I mean, I'm very much looking forward to my student loans being forgiven. So, <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to all your handouts, you libtard. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. <laughs> yeah. We will um, send us your suggestions if you disagree with us. I don't know how you could. Just pretty much. I don't think we said anything you possibly that could possibly be disagreed with. It's one of those things where it seems like every time Elizabeth Warren's in a room with other candidates, the consensus is like, "That's who we want." I don't yeah. know. I hear that more just from like kind of hearsay, and then also in interviews of people on different. So just kind of in wrapping up, I think that's why I say it. It, If you were in charge of the Warren campaign, who would you want as the ideal running mate? Oh, that's a good question. Thank you. (laughs) Who would I want as the ideal? Because you need somebody more centrist, somebody who can calm the storm. What what about people? I'd I'd tap Buttigieg, yeah. Yeah, I think that would be... Quite the ticket. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be really good. Um, I don't think it really helps to do the Obama-Biden thing. Like, I, I think at the time, Obama tapped Biden because Biden had all this experience. And um, I think at that time, I mean, Biden's been in the Senate, I think, since 1875. Yeah. And yeah. so he's probably served on every conceivable con- committee. Exactly. So I think I think Obama picked him for more of the kind of like geopolitical experience mm-hmm. that he had. I don't think that's what people care about. Like voters care about at all when they're looking at a vice president. 
I think it's well, I think, yeah. 99.9% just perception and, and kind of hot air. I think it's helpful. It would have been helpful 20 years ago to have a, if you were more inexperienced, to have somebody there who could help kind of bridge the divide and talk to people person to person, have these interpersonal connections. Yeah. But with the house so divided and the Senate so divided, it's not like you have to go butter anybody up to vote your way. If they're a Democrat, they're going to vote for you anyways. That's a good point. And you're going to have to pull something out of a hat to get the Republicans to vote for you. So it's not like having that. It's not very difficult to figure out politics in the U.S. these days. It's not like you have to have some intense you know, inside knowledge. Maybe that's just because I don't know it, but it doesn't seem like that is helping anyone now. No. And there are people that have been there for decades. So if that's not helping, maybe it's time to try something new. Yeah. And Buttigieg would be an incredible surrogate. And I think that's, I think that's the biggest thing, you know? Yeah. Well, there you go. There's the ticket. Rashford's there you go. <laughs> the only thing that I have to say about Biden that I thought of and made a note of great smile. Dude's got a great smile. He does. <laughs> He's got, Man, if he ever decides to change professions, it's got some some nice pearly I'm whites. I'm sure Invisalign has Seriously. quite an endorsement lined up for him. Let's just Seriously. <laughs> well, thanks, Morgan. Uh, thanks, audience. I hope that that was helpful in some way. Please feel free to reach out. Give us some ideas for our next topics. We've got one coming up on democracy. What else we got? Maybe one on guns. We're doing one on DB Cooper. DB Cooper, oh yeah, I forgot about Which, that. Which, so that'll sneaky. be a fun one. That'll yeah, be kind we'll of like a San Mafia one. That'll be good. That'll be good stuff. Cool. Okay, well, until next time. See you later, voters. Adios. 2020, rationalist.